I thought as we were worshiping there and lingering, worshiping, of course, if you pay attention to the calendar and follow all that stuff, you know it's Palm Sunday today. And uh, I thought, I wonder how long it took with them yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. I wonder if that was just a two-minute deal and it was over. I don't think so. I have to go look and see how long that ride was that he came down that when he came down into the city. But apparently they carried on long enough praising him. that all the religious people got a little mad about it. I would to God sometimes we'd praise him so long that all the carnal people just get mad about it. They were singing Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Praise God. He came as a king then. They saw him. Praise the Lord. It's so good to have Sister Schoonover hanging out on this side of the mountains today. So sometimes they're on the other side. Sometimes they're on this side. And uh, I uh, had sent a message to her and Bishop. Well, I sent it to Bishop, but I knew he'd get it to her uh, early this morning. Just a sort of a thought that went through my spirit. And so she's going to come and she's going to come. Amen. I'm glad she's here. Let me say this. We know this scripture, right? That says, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they too shall be one flesh. Do we believe that? Do you believe that? You need to know this. Sister, I, almost, I told Sister she's going over this last week at Pass. I passed her in the foyer. I said, I don't know if it was morning or afternoon. I said, said almost, I almost said, Sister Bishop. And I, and I caught myself. And I said, well, that would be appropriate. It's important that you understand and recognize God-given roles. And God-ordained roles. Yes, they have distinct ministry. Yes, they have distinct calling, but they are one flesh. Amen. I've known her a little bit. I know her to be submitted to her husband and her bishop. And so therefore, I know she walks in the covering and the authority of the bishop. And it's important that we understand and recognize that just in case you don't. Amen. Sister Bishop, Sister Schoonover. <laughs> I don't mind at all. I get called a lot of things. A whole lot of things. And some people like to tantalize me with them. But I, that's okay. You can call me Sue. You can call me whatever you want. Um, I, um, I feel emotional today, and I feel broken, and I think a lot of that for me, I know myself enough that I'm tired. I didn't get any sleep last night. My husband um, was very tired uh, when we got back from spring conference yesterday, and he fell asleep very early. He usually wakes up at 4 o'clock, so if he goes to bed a little bit earlier, he's wide awake earlier. And so at 3 o'clock, he was just ready to make a to-do list, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And thank the Lord that um, after a busy week and a busy couple of weeks, our guest speaker just got on the plane Thursday, and then Friday we got in the car and went to spring conference and got back yesterday afternoon, um, and then that meant going to Puyallup and Kent. He uh, allowed, he doesn't allow me, but I asked, can I just be still for this weekend? And I'm always extremely happy to sit with my grandchildren in church. I believe that's one of my callings these days is to be with my grandchildren and any opportunity I get to um, bring up a story and a memorial. And this is what God did for, you know, your grandma or your grandpa or when your mommy was a little girl. And I try and only share the positive stories about that. And um, 
And I believe that it is um, my calling to... Uh, their parents have... they continually, daily invest a lot into them. But as I come alongside of them to also uh, where my areas and open doors can be and invest into them and um, to teach them to worship, if I'm going to sit with them, <laughs> those poor kids are so nervous when grandma's around. I think I have said too much. I was a... Uh, um, and I just love it when I see people worship. I saw Brother Jimenez just brought tears to my eyes, which doesn't take much today. Get out in the aisle with his daughter and run the aisle. And I don't know who was edging on who. I think she was asking you. And thank you for being an example to us. I've been to churches, more than one, where at the beginning of song service, they don't need the Holy Ghost just to knock them over. Um, and drag them or make them shake and quiver. They just know it's time to worship. And at the standing of the word, they stand up in respect and honor to the word. Um, that's their conviction. And they take their children by the hands and they just walk up to the front. And they just start to worship from song one. And when I was there, I thought, wow, this is really cool. And um, I didn't come home and start doing that with my kids, but I wanted to, but it wasn't just a couple weeks ago. I had a, a conversation with a daughter, one of my granddaughters. I'll just say one of my granddaughters out of the nine grandchildren I have. Um, she's very dramatic. She's very charismatic. She's a little actress and she just in, she always entertains us when we're at home and she dances and she sings and she does twirlies and does all that. And then when she comes to church, the Lord is calling her and the Lord is dealing with her. So when she comes to church, it's white knuckles on the chair. And I've been, I've been acknowledging that. And one day, a couple weeks ago, I was standing by her and it was just white knuckles and everybody was just shouting and I just started smacking her. What's with you? Loosen up. Loosen up. She's like, don't talk to me. Loosen up. And so then it was that next week, I had her for the day. I had all, a lot of the kids. And I said, hey, what's that song you taught me the other day? And it was a, a song about a cartoon or something. I'm like, I just love how you sing and dance and you're just so lively. I'm like, but what's the deal? What do you mean, what's the deal? What's the deal about you clapping and singing, and then we come to church, you're all stiff as a board. She looked at me, and she said, I can't believe you're saying that to me. And I'm like, who deserves our praise? And anyway, we had this little conversation. And so then the next week, I was at church with her, and it was like, Grandma, don't even look at me. Don't even look at me. But I will still, as I feel led, ask them, you know, if it's altar, altar call, it's time to go to the altar. People are going to the altar. I'm going to the altar. You're going to the altar with me. Sometimes if they're five and six years old, they don't know what's best for them. So if they're in my presence, I'm not going to ask them. I'm going to say, come with me. We're going to the altar. Or if the preacher says stand and they're sitting there and they think they have, you know, a pass card because they're three. Preacher said, stand, let's stand. So I love that all of the children in here, and I love that you bring your child to church, whether they're easy to deal with or whether they're difficult. I, not every child is the same. We have a number of children in this church that some of them have challenges. They're not like your child. They're not maybe the easiest child that was quiet. Maybe they're different. You stand firm and you keep bringing them to church. Because we love you, and we love your family, and we can ignore the noise. We are thankful you bring them to church, and you teach them what is right. You teach them that it's Sunday, and we go to church. What, what is it you call it? Episynagogus. Episynagogus. Is that, am I saying it right? Gogus. So teach that to your children. That's what we do. We go to church and we go into the sanctuary and eventually they will learn to sit and they will learn to listen to the word. They will learn to worship. I was touched today when I saw Brother Ethan Hart singing and the anointing every time he sings and plays. And he led that song today. And um, I remembered when I took a dinner over to his mom's house when she gave birth to him. 
and um, held him as a baby. I remember the day he was dedicated. And I want to say today that we have a presentation to give to Ethan. Um, Life Church is a strong supporter of our youth and our children. Last year um, alone, Life Church gave $9,000 to nine students um, to go to Bible college as scholarships. And they, um, they had already sat down with their elder. They had worked out a financial plan. Um, they uh, had felt a call to go to that Bible college. They had the blessing of their parents and their elder. And um, we wanted to help that and support that. And so we asked them all to send us a little video of why you want to go to Bible college. And that was really cool, touching, and sometimes entertaining. Um, we have a committee that is working on it more this year and will become more structured. And you, in your returning of your tithe and giving in offerings, help these children get to Bible college. And it's because you are obedient to God and returning your tithe and giving offerings. And so um, it's a blessing to be a part of a group like that. We do have students that go on missions trips. Ethan, being the good steward that he is and the hard worker, he has a, a job. He, we, Bishop and I asked him the other day, how much money do you need to make this trip? And he said, well, I've raised, I'll tell you, he's raised it all. But we, we still want to give him $500 from Life Church for this trip. And you can take some of your money and put it aside because you're going to need to eat. You're going to need to, whatever, buy a bus ticket. Um, you're going to need to, you know, take a girl out someday. I don't know what you want to do with it. But um, we, want, we want to bless you. Even though you have raised and you're a good steward of your money, we want to bless you with a trip. And I want you to come and tell them what you're going to be doing on your missions trip. And this is from Life Church. My first thought when she started to talk about Bible college was like, oh, no, people think I'm heading to Bible college here this fall. So that's not happening, uh, at least not that God's told me yet. But um, So this summer, I'm going to be going on an AYC trip to Japan. Um, AYC is it's a UPC-organized uh, missions trip program. And so it's going to be a bunch of youth from across the country, all UPC uh, and two years ago, I, when I turned 16, because you have to be 16 to be able to go on an international trip. So two years ago, I t finally turned 16, and I was ready to go. I'd heard the stories of my brother and sister's missions trips, and was excited to go. And um, Japan was one of the trips, and that's the one I had determined I wanted to go on. But for, for some reason, I just never moved forward with the process. I never applied. And uh, uh, so then the following year, obviously, I was old enough to go still, so I... Um, I was looking at the trips, and just none of them stood out to me. So, man, now two years have gone by. Am, am I ever going to go on a <laughs> missions trip? And um, finally, this year, when the trips were announced, like the locations, and I saw that Japan was one of them, I, I knew right away that I wanted to go on it. Um, a little bit of the carnal side of it is I love sushi. So I'm, I'm excited to try some uh, authentic sushi. But anyway, I just um, I, I don't know what God wants to do on this trip, and that's how I'm going in with my mindset in that way, like just letting God do whatever he wants to do, uh, whether it be to reach obviously people in Japan or just somebody else on that trip. I don't know. Um, and so I'm just going into it, that mindset and praying about it. And, uh, so yeah, that'll be in June that I'll be gone. I think it's a 10 day trip, so not too long, but it's, it's a far away and it's a long enough time to be away from home. So, um, appreciate all of you guys and your prayers for it. So thank you. When do you leave? June 7th. It's not easy. It sounds all glamorous to travel like that. But um, I've, I've done, I've flown that route, and it's a long plane ride. 16 hours. And uh, then, then you hit the ground running. They don't let you rest. And um, not everyone is going to be a missionary. I'm not saying you are, okay? Not everyone is going to go to Bible college. Not everyone is going to, you know, have a mic in their hand. But we are called to, to love him. We are called to study his word. We are called to obey him. 
We were at Spring Conference this week, and um, it is a business conference. And there comes a time when um, the administrations and those that are called um, to that ministry, um, they need to talk about finances, and they need to plan as the Lord leads them to plan. And they need to make sure, as the scripture says, the widows are being taken care of. Um, and things are being taken care of and wait the tables so that the men of God can have time to study the word. We are all called to study the word. And um, this last couple of weeks, I just happened to grab my, my Bible. I have a couple of Bibles whenever I study. It should be King James. This year, I'm reading the one-year chronological Bible, which I've never done before, chronological. And it is in the NLT, and I'm going to read some scriptures. Please don't bring it up in the King James um, unless you have NLT. If you want to go home and confirm it, write down the scriptures and read it there at home. But... Um, I have been just stuck. I've gone back to the last two chapters of Deuteronomy and the first couple of chapters of Joshua, and I can't get past it. I just can't get past it. And I reread it, and I reread it, and I, I share with things things my husband, thinking he doesn't know that, but, you know, he knows it. He, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But sometimes he acts like I'm giving him new revelation just to make me feel good. But um, we talk about it and we digest the word together. And that last couple of chapters of Deuteronomy is where Moses knows that God has spoken to him and he's about to pass on. And for reasons in the word, Moses is not going to enter into the promised land. And so God is making preparation through Moses for the future generations that are going to follow him. And just like we're giving to AYC today, I found so many times at spring conference during the business session on Monday that went five hours, a lot of time was spent talking about the preparation, what we are leaving, the platforms we are building for those to follow. There was a lot of time given to uh, scholarships and helping our scholarship fund for our Bible college students who will go and study the word. And um, uh, we, we did help in that a little, even though we help in that a lot in our in-house giving of life church, there was, um, another presentation and they're building a platform of support for education for even the K through the 12 and our Bible college, because we're facing a lot of different issues these days. It's getting dark and it's only going to get darker and, that doesn't bother me in the sense of in the darkness as it gets darker, my light will get lighter. But with that may bring some conflict. And with that, we have to teach our children how to handle these situations without being in your face, aggressive, and still show charity. Um, and so with that, and all of the, the things they're teaching our children in gender identity, gender neutrality is so strong. And they're saying, how can we help for the future? And those are the things that I feel like very strongly in, as life church invests into our young people, into the congregation and that's just what I see, might see myself doing from here on out is praying strength for you, praying that you will love the word and praying for my children and my great-grandchildren and my grandchildren because if the Lord doesn't come, what are they going to face? And so, so there was a lot of that at spring conference. And why do I say that? Because I've been stuck in the last two chapters of Deuteronomy lately in the first couple of chapters of Joshua. And that's what it was all about was the passing on of the truth and the mantle and preparing for the next generation. Now, you know that it is referred to Joshua as being the servant to Moses, Moses's assistant, whatever translation you are reading. Joshua at a young age became Moses 
assistant. I don't know if it started with him getting him a drink of water, him following around this day and age, carrying his Bible, um, whatever it might be, making sure his shoes are shined. I don't know. But I don't, you know, think that was it with those sandals. But anyway, um, he was Moses' assistant. And there was a mentorship. And God was setting that up knowing that someday Joshua would walk and do and be the leader that Moses was. The Bible says there was there will never be a greater leader than Moses. Moses himself, the scripture says, who saw God face to face. Just like Brother Hart mentioned in Isaiah. He looked up and he saw the glory of God and his train filled the temple. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine. So I'm just going to share a couple of scriptures today. And that would be, uh, if you'll just hear the word of the Lord and, uh, let's do Deuteronomy. It was in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Um, and I'm just going to go over, I'm going to skim across this for this reason. Chapter 31, verse 1, when Moses had finished giving these instructions to all of the people of Israel, he said, I am now 120 years old. I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has told me you will not cross over the Jordan River, but the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river, just as the Lord promised. Skipping down to verse 7. Then Moses called for Joshua, and as all of Israel watched, and he said unto them, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors that he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them, as their grants of the land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you, and he will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. I'm going to skip to Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 9. So Moses wrote this entire body of instruction in a book. Okay, God we skip some scriptures. God told Moses to write down the law and the instruction. God, Mo Moses wrote this entire body of instruction in a book and gave it to the priests who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord's covenant and to the elders of Israel. Then Moses gave them this command at the end of at the end of every seventh year, the year of release during the festival of shelters, you must read this book of instruction to all the people of Israel when they assemble before the Lord your God at the place he chooses. Call all of them together, the men, women, children, and the foreigners living in your town, so they may hear this book of instruction and learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully obey all of the terms of this instruction do this so that your children who have not known these instructions will hear them and will learn to fear the Lord, your God do this as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. So God told Moses in preparation for his death to write down all of the laws he had given him. Further on in verse 19, it is said, so write down the words of this song and teach it to the people of Israel, help them learn it. So it may serve as a witness for me against them. So he's talking about who the Lord going before them. He's talking about uh, telling Moses again to write down the song, write down the covenants, write down the law, and teach it to the children of Israel. Then it goes on. I'm just skipping through this. 
Moses wrote down a song, as you can read in Deuteronomy 31. And then Moses, Moses later wrote a psalm that you can find in the book of Psalms, chapter 90. And they, they think that Moses wrote that at the end of his life. And then skipping ahead in Deuteronomy 33, Moses blesses the people and he blesses each one of the tribes. Skipping, skipping ahead and, uh, to the death of Moses is Deuteronomy chapter 34. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. The Lord buried him in a valley of Beth Peor in Moab. But to this day, no one knows the exact place. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear and he was strong as ever. The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miracle, miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all of his servants and his entire land. With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of Israel. And this is Moses' charge to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. This is God speaking. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead the people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given you. From Negev, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River to the east and the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all of the Hittites, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you, Joshua, as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. I would give them. He says it again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will, sh you will be sure to obey everything written in it. And only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command he says it again, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. And if you read on, isn't that powerful? We know that we hear about the love. To, we, we hear it all the time. Love the word. Read the word. Read your Bible. Find a devotional. Read your Bible. Teach the word to your children. Know it. But this comes alive if you read it over and over and over again. 
The only way we can succeed is to know the word and read the word, not only for ourselves, but for our children to teach them the word. They must know the word. Just last week, somebody called me. I'm involved with all three congregations at some level, some of them much stronger than area in, um, in areas of administration, in uh, areas of kids crusade. Someone called me and said that the songs we're teaching our children. You've got to bump, bump, bump. You've got to jump, jump, jump. You've got to bump. You've got to jump. Praise the Lord. When their child goes to a Baptist school and the songs they're singing are all scripture. I'm like, I know, I know we need balance. These are things. These are things we need to pay attention to. I've been that one that taught that, those songs because sometimes, you know, you just got to find a fun song for filler. Preacher should have been done half an hour ago. <laughs> Let's sing another song. You've got to bump, bump, you know, whatever to get rid of energy. But what I, what I was really hearing was what are we teaching our children? If they're going to sing a song, what kind of song are they going to sing? A bumping song or a song about grace and peace and God saved me and Jesus died on the cross for me. Pay attention to what you consume. This last month, I've just, even though I'm trying to be on task and we're reading my word, I'm not I don't know what the date is, but I'm not where I'm supposed to be in April. I keep going back and consuming the last couple of chapters in Deuteronomy and the first part of Joshua. Therefore, everything that goes on in my life, it's bouncing up against that. Whatever you consume, whatever you're consuming, Everything that goes on in your life, you're seeing through those glasses. You have that perspective. That's why at spring conference, what I saw was they're just, they're concerned about what we're going to pass on. They're setting up monies for instruction of God's word. They're setting up for what we're going to do for not only college, but our younger children because of what they're coming up against, because that's where I've been dwelling. If I have had times in my life where I'm dwelling in an episode of law and order. So therefore, I go somewhere and all I see is a man that looks dangerous and he's going to harm my grandchildren. So don't talk to him. Don't look at him. That's just an example of wherever we dwell, wherever our children dwell, that is the glasses they're going to see through. That is the way they're going to think. That is going to frame their mind. And that's what I took away from this. And I have such a burden to be aware He said, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. And only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So Joshua gave a charge to the Israelites they moved on to cross over into the Jordan, crossed in the Jordan River. You can read about it. The priests went into the river. The river stopped flowing. They stood on dry ground as the people had crossed over. They were safe. Then the priests, the men of God, the people that protected the covenants, the law, the people, that were going to carry them and make sure the next generation would have it. Then crossed over and the river began to flow. Mo, uh, Joshua did tell them to take 12 stones, 12 tri tribes of Israel, one stone per tribe, and to set them up 
to make a memorial. And I don't know that I have it. Yes, I do. I marked it some time ago. And then in chapter 4, if you go down to verse 21, then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask. Your children will ask. What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea, when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. Because you see, the generations, the 40 years wandering in the wilderness, it was a new generation. Some of them, many of them, most of them, I believe, almost all of them, probably 98%, were not born at the time of the Red Sea and saw that miracle. But yet, it was a new generation. It's all about restoring and having the word and teaching the new generation having an anointed man of God that was a servant to Moses, walked alongside of him. Moses mentored him. God poured into him. Moses laid his hands on him. And he was ready to serve. So you have this new generation. What do these stones mean? For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. They built a memorial. Just to finish out this chapter, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross over, they lost their heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. Every chance I get, I tell my children I've already told them, but they weren't listening. It's something about when they're 30 now and I tell the same story. They're like, you never told me that. Well, when they were young, they were playing. They were doing this, except for Lauren. Lauren remembers everything. But um, <laughs> she does remember a lot. <laughs> but, you know, you keep, you keep telling the stories. This is what God did for us. You keep telling the stories. You keep showing the stones. You keep making it a priority that God's word is first, that church is first, that we come to church no matter how we feel, that God is our healer, that only God can deal with your pain. Mom can talk it away. I can talk until I'm blue in the face, and I can give good instruction the Lord can anoint my mouth and give me wisdom, but only God can put it here so you can own it. And if I can say anything to you today, don't give up. You are here. You have desires for your children. You have desires for your soon-to-be grandchildren. Don't give up. Walk the walk. Love the word. Know the word. Teach the word. Because we're all soon to be passed from this earth. And they need to carry it on. Sunday school is so important. Are you involved? Do you pray for our teachers? Do you give offerings towards Sunday school? Our youth group is so important. Our young marrieds. All of us are important, even the old people. But we need, we need to be aware, and we need to continue to just be aware is all I have to say today. Just be aware and invest because it's getting darker. We will be lights 
in the middle of that darkness. And we need to handle it how God would have us to handle it. That he would receive all the glory. I've been to meetings in Yakima where groups are coming together to come against the gender identity and the gender neutrality that is being taught in the schools. There are some good, good people that are getting mixed up. And the one thing I didn't want to do was go in there with rebellion. I will tell you a funny story just to end it out because I feel like you might need to smile. I walked into this meeting and I was taking it pretty serious. And I had a lady I was connected with on the west side that I'd worked with on some other issues um, and getting involved in my community. She knew that we had... Uh, located over here was over here part-time and was sending me information about these meetings and so I wanted to attend to see where I could get involved and um, this was some time ago when they were changing all the signs on the bathrooms in our school about a year ago or so and I went in there and I sat and I prayerfully and I, I met a couple of pastors and just just wanted to know how to pray and where I could get involved and I sat on this, this, went to the front row because I sit in the front because I'm easily distracted. If I sit in the back, I'm watching how your hair is done and what you're wearing. And, oh, that poor lady's having a hard time with their children. Just give it up and give her candy, you know, and whatever. I get distracted. So I like to be in the front for that reason to pay attention. And um, so I marched right up front, and I was sitting there, and I was so uncomfortable. I just thought, what's the deal? <sighs> I can't breathe. I'm just uncomfortable. <sighs> so eventually I got up, and I walked kind of towards the back, and I sat and introduced myself, and there were some pastors there. And then during our meeting, there was these beautiful women sitting on the front row, and they were all very well-to-do and very well-kept. And so you had one side of the story sharing, and then you had the other side of the story sharing where they have rights and, and those people. I, I really do have a lot of compassion for people that are confused in this. And I, I really want to teach my children that as well, but to draw a strong line in the sand and don't give ear to that. Don't, don't, don't. We are not to be tolerant. We are to love them but hate the sin and we cannot be tolerant of what's going on. So one person got up and started to talk, and it was such this beautiful lady. But it wasn't a lady. That's who I was sitting next to. It wasn't a lady. Her voice, wait, his voice had not changed. I liked his shoes. I liked his hair. The next person that I was sitting to on the other side of that, that wasn't a lady either. That whole front row wasn't a lady. And I thought, oh, no wonder. No wonder I felt the way I felt. Am I saying they're possessed? No. They're mixed up. But there is a strong spirit in our world that is out to confuse our people. They're out to confuse our young adults and our children and our ministers. Our ministers, our people, if you don't stay in the word and love the word of God, it's going to be, well, but God's all about love. We have to, but God's all, well, he is about love, but read the whole book. We have to call it as it is. It hasn't been rewritten. I've sat across the table from pastors of other denominations and had these conversations. And many of them who had a strong conviction would not call a kettle black. Because they're afraid. I have got to love the word. I have got to know the word. My children have got to know the word. And I believe they do. I cry. I still cry when I hear Lorenz sing with such anointing. I still pray for her. As though she's a teenager ready to go one way or the other. Because she has battles to fight. I pray for you that way. 
We have got to love the word. We have got to teach our children. We have got to teach our children. We have got to be aware of what is going on around us. We have got to see outside of my own circle, my own life, my own bubble, my own desires, and help prepare those around me, come alongside the brother that is weak and bring restoration to my sister's life as she has stumbled. Come alongside the mother that's having a hard time getting there on time. Come alongside the mother who's and the wife that's been emotionally abused and has believed the lies that she's been told all of her life. I have such a burden and all I know to do is to pray and to read the word and to be careful of what I constantly consume because it's all around me. Can you pray with me right now? Father, I love you. I love you. Oh God. You see me as I am. In all my weaknesses, and I give them to you. In my weaknesses, you are made strong, oh God. In my weaknesses, you will prevail. In my weaknesses, you will get the glory. I thank you for healing my body. I thank you for healing my mind. I thank you for healing my emotions. I thank you for covering me with the blood of Calvary, the mercies that are new each and every morning. I pray, oh God, that I can be a vessel for you, that the fire and the unction of the word of God can be on my tongue and can be declared in such a manner as only you would have it declared. I pray, oh God, I can be that person that encourages other, others to seek you, others to seek you. I would love to see you face to face, but I bow, I bow and just say you are holy, 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 you are holy. Help us, Lord. Give us the wisdom that comes from above to raise our children. Give us the wisdom that comes from above and the unction of your word to put into the future generations to come. To the young people of the church, to the old people of the church, to the children. God, lead us and guide us. Help us to be a light in this city, to reach out to those that are lost and don't know which way to turn, to be the example of love and compassion that you are as you gave to me when I was so deep in sin. God, you are merciful. You are strength. You are healing. You are everything. I pray a stirring up of the gifts that sit in this room, a stirring up of the gifts, a pressing forward, a setting aside things that would distract us and draw us away from you, that we would consume what is right, what is pure, what is holy, that we would have the desire to consume your word. I pray strength upon the ministry of this body. I pray blessings and strength upon Elder and Sister Hart. I pray the unction and the anointing continue upon them day to day, each living minute of the day. I pray blessings and anointing and unction upon the Flowers family, upon every person in this room. We submit our lives to you. God, I pray a drawing. If anyone is in this room and, and doesn't know you the way that they think they should, isn't walking the way they think that you would have them to walk, today is the day, Lord, I pray that you wrap their your loving arms around them and strengthen them. In you alone, God, is deliverance. In you alone is the power that ceases the Sururava. I am not I. You are the one of the high. 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 You are
In the name of Jesus, 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 there's a deep conviction of the Holy Ghost here. There is a deep conviction of the Holy Ghost. We must learn how to respond to the convicting of His Spirit. We must learn to respond. The enemy wants us to respond to his conviction by giving ear to the enemy's voice, so we give room to condemnation. But the conviction of the Holy Ghost draws us to a place of repentance, of acknowledging of where I've fallen short. Sin is to miss the mark. That's what sin means. If I sin, I miss the mark. And so the Lord has dealt with us about a responsibility to children and the generations coming along behind us. And so the enemy would condemn us if maybe we haven't done all that we should do. But the Spirit of the Lord is convicting us to say, wake up and do what you should do now forward. That's conviction. So conviction causes me to repent. What is repentance? Repentance doesn't deal with the past. Repentance deals with going forward. Repentance says, God, I've missed the mark. Forgive me. Now I repent. I change direction. I repent by the grace of God to now do what I should do. There's a conviction of His Spirit here today. We have a responsibility to our children. And if we're grandparents or you're a grandparent to your children's children... Hear me this day, I, I so appreciate the word of the Lord and the conviction of His Spirit. And Sister over yielding and sharing these things, they're critical to us. They're critical to us. I thank God for our children's classes and those committed to teaching and giving themselves to teaching and instruction. I, I appreciate that we have teachers that, I can tell you the Charles have come to me in the past and said, Brother Hart, I don't know about this curriculum we're getting lately. It seems pretty watered down. Could we? So we're talking about what do we want to be teaching, and we're spending time together talking about what do we want to be instructing, what do we need to be looking at. We're having, but hear me today. Those classes are about an hour a week. They're about an hour a week. Mom and dad, if you think an hour, now God can do anything, but the intention and the instruction of the scripture is not get your kids to church one hour a week and then that would take care of everything. The instruction is, mom and dad, I'm letting that settle in. Mom and dad. Deuteronomy 6 and 4, we know Deuteronomy, right? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and him only shalt thou serve. We know that. If you keep reading Deuteronomy 6, you're going to teach this to your children, the Scripture says. Well, when do you teach it? He said, put it on the doorposts of your house. Put it on the foot of your bed. Put it as frontlet between your eyes. Well, when do you teach them? When they rise up in the morning, when they lay down at night. What are you, what are you doing first thing in the morning with your children? What's the last thing at night? What are they hearing in your home? What are they seeing in your home? What are they remembering you teaching them? What are they remembering me teaching them? We have a responsibility, and the Lord is awakening us and trying not to condemn us, but to convict us, say, yeah, you know what, it's right, i got to do it now got to do it now. Sister Schoonover referenced the issue with identity. We've talked about I'm, I'm, We have to stand against those things in love. But it's not enough to say, well, we don't believe that. We've got to be able to take them to the word and show them why. What does the word say? The word says, in the beginning, God created Man, male and female, created he them. What are we doing? We're showing them the truth of the word of God. 
And if you're waiting for them to hear that in Sunday school or hoping that it's shared from this lectern, I'm missing my responsibility as a parent to show them in the word. Why do we believe this? Because the word of God is truth. The word of God says so. And the word of God doesn't change. The word of God doesn't compromise. It's forever settled in heaven. The word of God is true. Hear me. The thoughts and the wisdom of men of this day will constantly seek to come against the word of God. Constantly. In every form or fashion. In every way possible. Let me give you another example. How many of you have heard about global warming? Why do you think that's such a big deal in the news? Why do you what the enemy is subtle? So the enemy brings these different things, makes big. Anytime you see the political arena or or the entertainment arena really pushing a message. I promise you. There's something to it that's opposing the word of God. Because the enemy's subtle. He doesn't come out and say, the word of God's not true. You shouldn't believe this. The enemy says, let me find some cause and let me cause it to sort of ripple. And then I'll get it in the news and then I'll elevate it. And then I'll make it public and I'll make the minority loud. And, I'll, and what is it? It becomes an all out attack on the word of God. To where it moves so far that by the time it's front and center, when the church should have been vocal and teaching our children, if we were silent, our children are now going, well, but that can't be that bad. Why? But why is that wrong? And like Sister Sue said, God loves everybody, and he does, but he doesn't accept sin. You say, well, what about global warming? Read it in the book of Genesis. The Lord declared that as long as time exists, Summer and fall, springtime and harvest would not cease. It's in the word of God. It's the word of God. You say, you mean you don't believe that ice is melting? Sure, it's melting. That doesn't change the fact that the word of God is true. Is it getting hotter somewhere and cooler somewhere? I'm sure it is. That's been happening for a few thousand years. The word of God is true. As long as time exists, there will be spring and summer and fall and winter. You say, well, how do you know that? Because the word of God is true. But I give ear to things. And I start believing. And they cause me to give an ear. And they start. Cause me to believe what men would say. And you know why? Because I don't know what the word of God says. This is so critical. We must become people of the word. God help us to be like the Berean church. Look that up in the book of Acts when you get home. I won't give it. Just look up Berea. B-E-R-E-A. See what the scripture says about the church at Berea in the book of Acts. I want to be like them. Hopefully that provokes somebody to go dig in the word a little bit. I, I, I'm finishing with this. I'm. Sister Schoonover shared there in Joshua chapter 4 where. All the priests were instructed to take a stone out of the Jordan. And that when they came through and then the water came back over, that they built an altar as a memorial so that they could tell their children when their children said, what meaneth these stones? It's an interesting thing to me. It's always marked me. If you read there in Joshua chapter 4, I was trying to find it real quick. I know it's in there. Uh... Verse 9, thank you, Lord. Joshua 4, 9 says, And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests, which bear the Ark of the Covenant, stood, and they are there unto this day. I was always wondering, why did Joshua do his thing? I mean, the Lord, I believe he was led of the Lord. He told the priest, you take a stone and you build an altar on the other side. We call that Gilgal. 
But Joshua built an altar in the middle of the Jordan where the priest's foot stood. And I remember thinking about that and wondering about that. The children would ask about the stones at Gilgal. But if you read and you study when the children of Israel crossed Jordan, which was a type and shadow of leaving behind everything that represented any place of sin, when they crossed Jordan, they were entering into the promised land of God. And so the stones were near the Jordan so that if they ever thought about going back, hold on a minute, here's a reminder. Does that make sense? But here's the thing, when they crossed the Jordan, if you read it, the scripture says they crossed at the time of year when Jordan overflowed its banks. It was the time of harvest, the scripture tells us. Always at the time of harvest, water would be higher and the Jordan would overflow its banks. So it was a great miracle that they walked across on dry ground because the Jordan was overflowing its banks and the Lord stopped. It wasn't like, well, the river was really low. It wasn't a great miracle. Oh, no, it was a great miracle the Lord did. But so what happened when the water came back? You couldn't see the altar that, Jordan, that Joshua built any longer because the water covered what he built in the middle. Do you know when your children and my children would want to cross back over? Not during the time of harvest when everything's plenteous and we've got plenty. It's when things are dry and barren and it seems like there's no reason to stay put in the promised land. Well, you know what? I'm going to go back and it looks really easy to go back because the river's not overflowing its banks because it's not harvest anymore. The river's dry and it's really easy to just get back across. Then hold on a minute. There's some rocks in the middle. I didn't see those during harvest. I believe that's why Joshua put them there. I want something when the river's dry that they still see. I want something there when everything's not just free flowing and there isn't great harvest. I want my children to understand, even in the dry times, we built some altars that you do not go back. Moms, dads, the Lord is imploring us today. We must build altars that are memorials for our children. By the grace of God, I was privileged to go back home and spend three years in Arkansas before my grandmother died. My grandmother had dementia. It was a blessing from God. Because she'd say something and 30 minutes later she'd say the same thing all over again. Forgetting she'd just shared it. So my kids and I would go and spend a day in her home. And she'd tell a story about what God had done. And she'd forget. And so about an hour and a half later she'd tell the same story again about what God had done. And about an hour and a half later she'd tell the same story I'd love to hear her tell the story one more time. I grew up my life, sister going over hearing my grandmother tell me a story of what God did. Tell me how God did this. You say, yeah, but what about now? Everything may not be beautiful and perfect every day, but I've got too many stories that are memorials, that are altars, that says God is real and God is true. I'll not go back. was in the prayer room this morning. I don't know where Amaya went. She disappeared. She's in class. Amaya ran up to me. I love it. She sticks her arms out. So I grabbed her and I was holding her and she was telling me something about a flower in her hair. I looked over and Sister Mariah sort of laughing at her. And I don't know if she's, she's probably laughing at me. No, probably not. Mariah's laughing, right, because Mariah's a teenager now, and so, you know, and she's got beautiful hair and dressed all, her little bitty sister's running up to Elder, and that's sort of funny. I got done with Amaya, I sat her down, I walked over, I said, Mariah, I carried you in the prayer room when you were little. Brother Juan had to remind her that I was telling the truth. Lord, help us train up our children. Help us love the word. Why don't you stand with me?
it's not too late. Some of you here, you're feeling like maybe it's too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. Get in the Word. Open the Word with your family. You say, well, I would, but no, get rid of that excuse. Well, if they, no, 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 I'll do what I can do. I'll do what I can do, but I don't know. Then dig in and learn. Well, but how to just open the book and start going. Get in the word, open the word with our children. If you have a TV in your home, shut it off. Get in the word. Get in the word. Would you talk to the Lord with me right now? Come on. He's he's talking to us. He's reaching to us. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. This is so important. There's a scripture. Lord, just quickened my mind here. Over there earlier, it came to me, and I just remembered Josh or Judges 2. Listen to this. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. We'll start at verse 8. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. They buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnathiris in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Nash. Verse 10. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. Look at the next line in that verse. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. Nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. It only took one generation. One generation that wasn't taught the word of the Lord. One generation that wasn't shared the stories of what the Lord had done. And one generation that didn't even know the Lord. We will not be that generation. Amen. Praise God. Come on, reach to him one more. He'll give us grace. He'll enable us. We're not doing this in our ability. It's by the grace and enabling power of God. God, instruct us. God, direct us. Show us how. Father, show us how. Lead us. Show us how. If you're an older teen in this room, you can show young children. You can show the younger. You can dig in the word for yourself. If you're able to read, you can dig in the word and find answers. Lord, show us how. Enable us by your grace. Lead us by your spirit. Father, we will respond to this, your word. We will act according to your leading. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed today in Jesus' name. Thank you.